Well, oh, Jim, Jim, Jim. Hey, Jim. Hey, Ken. How you doing? I love your track switch segment, and so did everybody else. Oh, wow. Great. Thank you. It was so nice because you're just such a nice guy. You're so humble. You're just so nice and approachable. Oh, really? Okay. Well, uh, well maybe, maybe uh, I'll let you tell that to some of my passengers. <laughs> <laughs> just don't let's think we're not nobody's gonna beg for a box car tonight right oh yes he will he always oh does. did i just bring that up there goes yes the no but he would have it's okay ken no no i wouldn't have you know why <laughs> you know why why i'm making it myself making your own mm-hmm. all right we'll talk about that let me get this thing started Hey, welcome to another Model Railroad Hobbyist podcast. I'm uh, Paul Gillette. Joining me, as always, are our back east guy, James Lincoln. Greetings and salutations. <laughs> and uh, Chris Polymeres, who's normally in uh, Champaign, Illinois, but he's back out in the uh, family uh, seed grounds of California. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And... The one and only Ken Patterson from St. Louis is with us tonight. Welcome all. All right. So, Jim, Ken just asked you a question, and you brought up an interesting answer. And all the listeners have heard you constantly harangue Chris about uh, Atherin making an O-scale and O-48 boxcar. (laughs) Tell me what you're going to do to get around uh, Chris's obstinance there. Um. Ignore him totally? No. Um, let's see. Um, um, I am wor- presently working with a couple of um, uh, with a resin caster and uh, someone who does who has a um, a uh, industrial 3D printer and gonna try to make resin kits, short run resin kits of the box cars in question. So, cool. Um, have uh, I actually have a product that will hopefully shortly be available. It's not a box car, but it's uh, something that's a little different in old scale. Okay, um, now what level, you say kit, so, and you're going to do it with 3D, so what's, how are you envisioning this? You know, what's customer going to get in the box? What's he going to have to supply, if anything? What you're thinking there? Um, it, 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 I mean, it's still... Not much of it's in the planning stages. I'm I'm working on the 3D models because creating 3D models for resin casting is totally different than just having them 3D printed. Okay. Um. So I'm working through the engineering for that, and I did a smaller project because it was something I could uh, bang out real quick. But it's um, the resin caster. He wants to do a single piece uh, body. So uh, sides. Sides, ends, and roof together as one piece, just like you, you know, uh, HO scale kit. Okay. And, and then um, a separate underframe and truck. And then I'm also working with someone to hopefully get decals and stuff. So, yep, go ahead. All right. What time period will this this kit fall into? Um, 70s and up. So okay. The the box car probably I I I had a PS. 5277 waffle sided boxcar. I had a 3D print test print done of that. Yes. I assembled it. 
Um, and so it's just to prove, just to create a proof of concept and uh, how well it would print out. And uh, that came out very nicely. And that will probably be the second thing I come out with. Um, and I'm working on the PS5344 that I harangue. I have harangued Chris about. And those involved with me agree that that, that kit actually has a lot more legs, uh, a lot more paint scheme, things like that. The The plan is to... You know, have a separate underframe, and like with the um, uh, with the PS with the waffle sided boxcar, what I would like to do is make um, different options in the kit, so you can either uh, you don't have to buy different kits, but you can get a the same kit. You can do two different styles of underframe, or sure. not not really underframe, but coupler box, uh, two different styles of coupler boxes, and in either KD or um, Clouser coupler, Protocraft coupler style and then probably I will provide trucks in the kit. So instead of having many O scale kits, you have to you have to um, get your own trucks. Yeah, that is not an uncommon thing in O. You, you'll have to do grab irons and you know stuff like that. So it, it it'll be very similar to an H O scale Craftsman resin kit. Okay, now it's just to Proto forty eight. That's probably the trucks that I will provide, but seeing that it will be able to either use KDs or um, probably what I can do, well, it'll use KDs or protocraft couplers. Beyond that, um, I can, in addition to a truck, I can also have a bolster in there so that you could use Atlas trucks on the car. Um so if you could use regular two rail trucks, you could still use it on a three rail uh, layout. And it'll, I mean, uh, two rail cars will still go around three rail track. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a different of a wheel profile. Okay. Well, neat. So then the customer will paint it himself. It'll come uh, undecorated. It will come undecorated, absolutely, because it's just me making these things. Okay. Um, and hopefully, uh, going to work out uh, a. A, a means to have decals, particularly for the waffle-sided ones. There'll be decals in the kit. So, uh, yes, Chris, please. I can help you with the decals. Uh, okay, really, Mister, yeah. I'm not helping. Mister, I'm not helping you think and take your O scale and no, go somewhere Mr. else. No, he's Mister Micro Scale. I'm Mister right. Micro Scale. I can I can help you with decals. Okay. Um, does, I I kind of thought that Micro Scale had the southern had the southern rail ball. I had the southern um. Waffle sided decals already. I wasn't sure. It's just the websites can be a little complicated, so there's a lot of stuff on the microscale website. Well, you got to keep in mind, too, that when the Southern was designed, it may not have been for the 5344 car, so uh, proportions on logos and things like that may not be exact to what you think. No, no, I'm talking about about the waffle sided one. I apologize. Right, 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 right. I understand the two cars are different. Uh, the, uh, well, well, not even that. It, it's just like sometimes they'll have generic logos that are meant for like a ACF car, and mm-hmm. they'll look really good on the on the decal sheet. And then we start trying to put them over ribs and have things spaced mm-hmm. out so they hit the rib and the waffle and all that. They don't line up. Yeah, yeah. So th- there's neat little things that you can do to get around it, especially in O scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can print so there's enough little lead on the side of a rib so you can wrap the decal around the surface of the rib. Mm -hmm. You can have it split a certain way to 
to conform over a, a waffle. Mm-hmm. So okay. it, it pays sometimes just to have the decals done, you know, just from the get-go. Right. A brand new set specific yep. to that freight card. Then you can also roll in the different uh, reporting, uh, the different fonts for reporting marks, mm-hmm. different sizes. Same yep. thing with capacity, the, yep. the, the data. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes that changes slightly, you know, so you can get all the variants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, that's the one nice thing about the 5344 car is you can do Rock Island, you can do Chicago Northwestern, Boston and Maine, all these, like, weird, um, you know, other railroads. And then you can have the Chicago Northwest, I mean, the, the Rock Island uh, paint-outs. Like Chicago and all the B and M paintouts of the of the old rock car. So there's a that's the the fifty three forty four really has a lot of legs as far as a uh, prototype because it's you know it's sadly lacking in O scale. So it's yeah and really as I told my resin caster, ideally what I would like is make enough a good enough model that either um, Lionel or Atlas buys it from me. That's what I'd like you know because then somebody who could actually do the pad printing and all that other stuff. Uh, can produce a model that's, you know, not in the market. I mean, I have no, you know, if I can sell a few of these things, that's great, but if it can become more widely available. Of course, what would be really a kick in the head is if people order thousands <laughs> because there aren't any in and I start getting inundated with orders, and I'm like, oh, my God. And James, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, then, well, you can actually go, then you can actually go to Atlas with some facts and figures and numbers, because that's what really motivates manufacturers, yes. is good, solid data. Mm-hmm. And the, these are how many orders I have, and this is how much it cut, uh, you know, how much it costs to cut tooling, and this is, you know, you know, what sort of detail level that they're expecting. And, mm-hmm. and you know, when, when all those things are known, the likelihood of actually being able to do a project becomes much better. You know, nice. there's just... So much to do out there, and sometimes just not not every project is right for the manufacturer. You know, it's, no, it doesn't I, mean I, that we we don't think it's a good idea. It's just you know that's not our area of expertise, or or perhaps that's not where you're focusing right now. You may be gearing up to do a a tank car project or something like that, and a box car just totally isn't in your wheelhouse. I mean, I understand. Um, you know, you may be gearing towards something, but I mean, who knows? You know, either that or you know, I'll sell 150 of them, and that'll be that. That'll be the end of it. I don't know, but that's okay too. You know, at least I'll have the ones I want, which is the important thing. And hopefully, people will buy enough that I will not have had to pay them. Pay for them. The product that hopefully I'll have in the next. I'm going to the O Scale Show in Chicago in uh, the end of uh, beginning of April, and um, maybe I'll see you there, Chris. No. <laughs> so, so what you're telling me, Chris, if I give you all this information and bring it to bring it to Apple, you guys will produce the PS5344. I had to put that. Uh, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna. But anyway, if the numbers work out, you know, if the numbers work out, I yeah, you mean, never know. You never, you know. never know. Yeah, I, I, I totally a joke all the time. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'm just saying, <laughs> trying to keep you optimistic. You yeah. know, because it, uh, that's the the numbers is what motivates the manufacturers. I mean, if you go in there and, and say you're going to sell this many because I have, it, it's just like Shark Tank. You know, any sort of business walks in and says, well, right. this is the sort of level of investment it needs, and this is the return on it, 
and and you can look at a plus yeah, a plus b equals c and c is greater of the return than what you put into it it becomes a pretty you know academic sort of thing so right and, and, and even in a smaller sense i mean i have people contacting me and say hey will you do x and y would you design x and y or would you change your current design to be s scale and I normally come back with, well, since it's specifically designed to use certain parts, it isn't really feasible to redesign it for S-scale or HO-scale. Number two is I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I don't want to. It's not really what I want to do, and I doubt that you're going to pay me enough money to want to. Uh, you just want me to do it because it's a cool idea and it would help you out so you can buy three, if you even buy that many. So I totally understand the whole you know, is it in your wheelhouse or not? You know, it's just, it's not. Somebody came to me and said, hey, would you design something for me? I'm like, okay. And he's from Australia. I'm like, okay, yeah. Why don't you tell me what it is? And he says, yeah, I'd like to do a 3D model of a, um, and I would like to do an O-scale model of a 567 block. Like an engine outside of the locomotive. And I said, ah, you have my attention. <laughs> that at least is something I can get behind. It, you know, it, it at least interests. It's not really in my wheelhouse, but it could be. You know, it's not a it's not a huge stretch. So as opposed to some weird esoteric, um, not mean not to say that there's anything wrong with Australian prototypes, but you know, it's not what I see. It's not what everybody sees, and you're probably not going to sell that many. But the the product I'm coming out with is as a resin sort of kind of kit is a. Um, just a different style of electrical bungalow. It's slightly bigger than the normal one. It's also a slightly different style. So I'm hoping that I can, you know, sell a few. Not, not hoping to, you know, make a ton, but it's at least different from what you always see that, you know, every company produces the, you know, the four-sided roof. Um, well, that begs a question then. What are you, at least in your own mind, your concept? What are you targeting for a, an initial production run? 10, 1,500? For a boxcar? Yeah. For a boxcar, I'd probably say 100. Okay. Um, for this first signal box, I'm going with 30. But the person I'm working with has no problem with doing short, very, very short runs like that. So. Okay, good, because that's the second question is, you know, going back to your main component source and go, hey, if everything in the world goes right, and I get slammed with 150, what's your lead time to make these so that you, you know, because you've got advertising, you've got packaging, you've mm -hmm. been talking to Chris about details, or decals, rather. So, yeah, I mean, it pays to noodle this stuff up front. I'll tell you what, sounds good. I'm happy for you. Okay, thank you. Um, I, maybe I'll, I'll post a picture of the electrical cabinet just so you can see it's slightly, like I said, it's slightly different than the normal one you always see, but. Well, certainly um, use the uh, podcast Facebook page to keep people up to speed on this, too. No, I mean, I, I could do that. Um, I mean, I find it fascinating as, as I had, I've had a design of a more standard electrical box up on my Shapeway site for com sub quite some time. Mm -hmm. And people try to order it, but it's not. And I'm amazed that people try to order, it's like 50 bucks, they're going to spend 40 or $50 for an electrical cabinet in Oceal. Okay. And I just can't believe anybody would spend that much money. But people have tried. Um, but it was it was the second thing I ever designed. And so I didn't design it with 
a good grasp and knowledge of the realities of 3D printing. And I hope I'm not boring everybody. It sounds like I am. I'm putting Ken to sleep. Well, uh, I am <laughs> listening to a podcast, man. I'm going to do a podcast. With, I'm sitting here working in a shop, and I feel like I'm just listening to a podcast. Oh. It's kind of it's, it's nice. I mean, oh. Scotty Mason hasn't done a podcast since Thanksgiving, and I've been going through withdrawals. Oh, yeah. okay. And so people try to order it, you know, so hopefully this thing in resin, because the 3D model of this product, is $71. To me, you know, that's my cost, is $71, the princess thing, you know, scale. Um, so the resin version is, you know, I'm hoping 25 bucks. So, and it's significantly larger. I, I was kind of surprised when I got it, in, when I got it in the mail, I'm like, wow, that's bigger than I would think. But when you put it next to an O-scale box car, it looks okay. Um, All right. Jim, how much feedback did you get on that What's Neat segment on your turnout? Did you get anybody saying, hey, I, I remember you from that show? No. No. Ah, that's the wrong answer. All right, never mind. Uh, sorry. Uh, maybe like one or two. Um, but, I, you know, after that show, I haven't really been out much. So, and... I, I haven't been out at all since that show's come out. Well, you know... That's Prototype okay. Modelers Meets, the only show I've ever been to. I can't wait to go to a national and just meet folks. Yeah. And, you know, there's so many cool things to talk about. My God, we got the Bachman Easy app. We have the new Ready to Rust series coming from Athern. We've got to talk about, you know, the passing of Lee Riley, the head designer at Bachman that just happened uh, last week. There's just, God, there's so much going on in the industry right now. Yeah, so I'll shut up now. Uh, I'll provide you with a couple of photographs, and then you can continue on with the 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 outline which i have no idea what it is okay well i mean ken just brings up a couple uh points here i mean the changes in the last month within our industry the blma thing just wow i went where'd that come from and yet i see you know that uh i presume it's still craig running ads in some of the uh publications about his upcoming uh reefers I guess his other business just made it so attractive to focus on it, and Atlas and he came together with a number. Is that your impression, Chris? That's my impression. Uh, it's as far as like specifics, who knows? But yeah. you know, Craig really had a, a real good base of of tooling. He had a diverse assortment of it, and mm -hmm. there is a dollar amount to it that you know that has value, and it was his asset. That was his business. I mean. So, I mean, I, I really understand uh, Craig and I were, were chatting a little bit. And, I, and you know, it, it was a surprise, but not that big of a surprise okay. for me. Because just by nature of, I, I think Craig wanted to uh, have some more time and, you know, be able to go see friends wherever they are in the world and just sort of live life a little bit more and not be so confined to doing work all the time. And I, I think anybody can identify with that premise, okay. you know, because uh, the metal business card thing, uh, the that side of the business was really exploding and really demanded a lot of his attention. But I I know Craig is very enthusiastic about malt railroading, and I, I think it's going to en enable him to actually enjoy it a little bit more. So there's, there's that to take in consideration, too. The only concern I had when you first mentioned that to me was I hope that 
Atlas continues with the the key components that, that made the BLMA product line very good, outstanding models and stuff. I hope they continue up with that. Because, you know, they bought branch line trains not too long ago, maybe a year or so ago. And I like branch line kits. Since we moved into this house in September, I've built six of the Pullman uh, sleepers. And it's just, a, you know, about 20 hours per kit, but it's a great kit. And I hope, you know, they keep, they integrate this into their product line. And it's still a great kit. I hope the BLMA, as they integrate, I hope it's still an outstanding uh, ready to run. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think people are really going to be hungry for the BLMA parts past the Atlas consolidation. You know, I, there's a lot of N scale, Z scale, and HO photo etch parts that are just unobtainium. They're, ju- they're just not available in the other channels as far as like detail manufacturers. So yeah. they really carved out their niche. And it, it'd be a real shame and would leave a real big hole for all three scales if those parts just disappeared. So uh, my thought is, and I think I think it's kind of, I've, I've heard murmurs that, about it. I, I forgot to ask Atlas just point blank when I was at the last World's Greatest Hobby Show where they were, um, actually it was in Springfield. I forgot to ask them. I, I just didn't get a whole lot of time to get around. But, uh, you know, the point blank, question is are, are they going to keep the parts and yeah the other question is blma has a great selection of signals oh, are yeah. they gonna are they going to integrate the that line of signals into the atlas of signal drivers and all the components that are already out there on the market there's some incompatibility you know between common anode and common cathode on the signal side of things but it's not anything that can't be fixed and overcome Okay. So, I, I'm, 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 I'm maybe the, the, the plan that Atlas has already laid out for this is, you know, somewhere on the internet. I haven't ran across it yet. I honestly haven't been really looking around on the internet too deeply to know if they have. I was just simply going to ask them <laughs> when I saw them over at Springfield, but I just ran out of time. Maybe our, our viewers or our listeners rather. Maybe they already know this answer, and uh, it's just a matter of like looping me in on this too. So, uh, but but you know they, these are interesting questions that I'm sure I'm not the only one thinking about. So, uh, if someone knows the answer out there, you know, let us know and and put a post a link to where Atlas has posted this as public knowledge because I know a lot a lot of people out there are really enjoy these products and the, they find homes on on someone's layout quite frequently. So that's my thoughts. Yep, I've adopted a number of them. So, Ken, what have you been keeping busy? I mean, I was looking at the uh, turntable display you were doing for, was that Atherin? Yeah, isn't that beautiful? That was a cool job. No roundhouse to worry about having to build. Yeah. Plus, you got to see a lot of other trade show displays, which those are always fun to build. They're very equivalent to building courtroom models for lawyers because they're usually finished off with oak sides and they're, they're yes. a presentation. And it's really fun. It's not so much fun. Well, it's fun building them too, but it's really fun after it's built to sit back and look at it right before you ship it out. Just sit there and enjoy it for a few minutes. Check it out as if you're there. But the, the, the show is the show is taking on a life of its own. We're getting 7,000 views per month uh, minimum at this point, and it's – I don't know where it's going. 
uh, at some point, I mean, I'm work, I'm striving very good, hard right now to get overviews of products from various manufacturers. Yeah. And it's, it's good that if they want their product reviewed on the show and it's, and I call it an overview rather than a review because I don't want to be critical of them. If there's a problem I discover in a manufacturer's product, I'll work with the manufacturer to figure out the problem, to fix it. And there'll be no mention of the problem because at that point it's fixed. Yeah. So rather than, rather than report on a problem, I'd rather just fix it and then report on a great product. And I can see at some point in the near future where we start charging ad space and doing mini-type TV commercials, maybe two-minute spots for the manufacturers for their new products and charging them out a flat rate of about $2,000 for a segment like that. And it would be interesting in that it wouldn't just be a TV commercial. It would be visually entertaining and teach you something all at the same time. So it would be similar to a product overview, but it would probably be something where I'm reading a script. Okay. Now, the and the... The channel, the the medium for that would be what? This is this is the uh, What's Neat show that runs in Model Railroad Hobbyist Magazine with okay. Because I, I know you've got your own website, you promote your your line of videos and so forth on there. Okay, so this is on the MRH side. Okay. I want to say that Facebook has really taken over as being my website. I think I think the active media that is Facebook with the three thousand friends that I've developed. Uh, it's a great platform for advertising the videos, talking about what's coming out next in the show, okay. and also soliciting for people to do segments on the show. I'm always looking for material. I don't, you know, I can't do it all by myself. I depend on, on my friends that I hang out with. I depend on using the jobs that I get from my various manufacturers that I represent and showing how we design photos or how we do things. I just got a job today from Horizon, and it's more of a corporate type of a cover for an advertising brochure for slot cars and trains. And at first, I was instructed to take a train set photograph that I had shot last year and simply mirror it. Yeah. And I went out, and I, I did that in the rain yesterday, and I put 3,000 watts of lights on it just to light the thing up, and I got a decent shot. But then once I found out today how they're going to use the photograph, man, all bets are off. Throw away the train set diorama. Let me pull out a killer scene and just absolutely just make a photo contest winner shot for the front of this brochure that will fit in the space that they need. And who knows, maybe I can lure some of these slot car guys into trains. That's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> You know the the winter shot that you covered, I think, was that last month? Where yes, you had the that eerie units in the snow? Yes, thank you. That Chris. was that was amazing. That one yeah, built the, up. It built up and it got better and it got better and I didn't even know where it was going. I woke up uh, an hour before sunrise, Michelle was drying her hair and I said, You know what? <laughs> I've got a great tie in on how to go from one photo to the next photo. I'll just stand outside and if I wait exactly for the right moment with a sunrise, I can use the sun as my prop to help illustrate where we're gonna go next on this photograph to take what was already a decent shot and just make it just mm, just make it so much better. And, you know, who wants to really work that hard? But when you know you've got a video camera and a presentation and it's something where somebody's going to learn something from it or, or we're going to make the artist proud or develop a relationship, you know, something like that, we're going to do another Robert Frischella photo for Athern. We were going through his entire website looking at some beautiful photography or paintings that he did the other night. And he's given me written license to be able to do this now. So I've got the copyright where I'm allowed to do this. I don't want to have to worry about Joe Fugate getting sued for me putting pictures in the magazines that don't belong to me. Sure. And now this guy, who knows? Look, Robert Fischella sold some paintings this month. I guarantee it. Plus, he sent me the original 
of the shot that we copied. I've got it hanging up down here. And let me tell you, there's a lot more details in it than I saw in the print. So to be honest with you, and if we did it over again, we'd model all the background detail too. Cool. Yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff going on. It was it was a thrill to also work with uh, the artist's you know, conceptual finished piece. Just by nature, he, he had the composition perfect. You know, yes. it was visually appealing. So it wasn't really hard for us to kind of make it photorealistic. And, that was you fun. know, yeah, I mean, we're dealing with, with, with like, yes, it's all models, but heck, it's what made the very first Star Wars so compelling and so realistic. <laughs> you know, using photography as, or using models in the photography makes it, you know, a different, different kind of real, you know. So it gets their attention. It keeps them on the page. And that's what sells models. You know, it's a funny story. I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I'm thinking about something. Remember when Model Reorder used to have that uh, best product of the year? Now, this is the very first time I've ever said something like this publicly about this. But this is something that I noticed. And this wasn't a fluke. This was real. First year came by, and it was these various products from these different manufacturers, best product of the year, da-da-da-da-da. And I noticed, you know what, it's interesting, seconds, thirds, firsts, they were all jobs that I did photos of for these companies. That was kind of cool. That was neat. Second year rolled by, and guess what? It happened again. The various companies that I represented were placing very high in this contest. Now, is it that they made that great of products? I mean, I'll bet there were some really killer laser products and other things out there that we were unaware of that could have been best product of the year. But the unawareness of it made it impossible for those to be best product of the year. Third year rolled around, and I nailed it again. All the various products that took first and second places in this category of best product of the year were, again, jobs where I'd photograph these products. Three years in a row is not a fluke. It proves that... The best product of the year is not necessarily the best product of the year. It's the most recognized visual product that you've seen before. Oh, I've seen that one. I'm going to vote yeah. for that one. And it's more of a popularity contest. Now, they don't do it anymore. I don't know why they pulled the plug on that. But to see the results and know what I had ahead in various challenges was very encouraging. Okay, just as an aside, when you're moving around, we're getting a little feedback through it. Okay. Sounds like a laser gun. I'll quit pacing. I'm hooked up to it. Oh, yeah. I think maybe that has to do with it. It happened the last time we did this, too. Some okay. of which I could cut it out. By golly, just no more caffeine tonight. Kind of, kind of <laughs> made still. All right. I'm sitting down. Okay. All right. No, Ken, Ken is not caffeinated. He's just naturally that way. Yeah. Are you, I, it's just it's so inspiring every single day to wake up and know what I do for a living. I used to sit in my real estate company for hours and talk to Kyle Bach and the various individuals on the phone that I developed relationships with. And I said to myself, why can't I make an, a living in that industry? Sure, I can flip a house and make 12 grand, and I got the rest of the month to figure out how to spend it. That's kind of cool. But I didn't have a passion for it as much as, you know, designing these photographs, creating this art, um, whatever the hell. I don't know. I'm addicted to it, whatever it is. Okay. Well, shoot, you're happy. That's, uh, that's important. Long as the money rolls in, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of ipso facto there. So when you were doing this uh, piece on the uh, the Bachman control, and what how'd you discover that uh, the groove cube? Chris Palomares saved oh, my okay, butt. Oh, okay, Chris. All right. 
Baby, yeah. I mean, he's, I showed him the video, and quite frankly, I really kind of I winged it. I winged it on that one because I thought I had it all in my head. It didn't go yeah. as smooth as I would like to have had it go, and Kalmbach's presentation of it is a lot more thorough, where it shows you all the sidebars and all the little different tweaks that you can make to the sound. But I saw James Wright his website, JWH2000 on YouTube, and he did the overview or review of that product. And his his end result was, you know, maybe this isn't something the model railroader is going to necessarily want because the sound doesn't come out of the engine. Well, at that point, I didn't know that because all the Bachman videos didn't exactly point that out. And I thought, I have been under the impression for over a year that the sound came out of the locomotive. I'm going to get into trouble for saying this, but the fact is, so as soon as I heard that, I called Doug Blaine at home that night uh, and I said, you know, is it true the sound doesn't come out? Da 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 da. I said, I, we need to be very uh, tactful in how we present this because it's not really mainstream. It'll be great for the train set guys and the Thomas Kincaid Village folks that yeah. want to just open the box, make it work, and not have to worry about wiring, DCC, and power packs and all that nonsense. That, But and you know what? That's a huge demographic. That's a very large market to appeal to. Sure. So I understand why why they're doing what they're doing now with it, but there is so much more that can be done with this system. There's, I mean, come on, think about it. You can take a phone and control every aspect of your life at this point, your alarm system, everything in your house. So it's really unlimited what they're going to be able to do applying this technology to our trains, and it's going to be a good thing. So Jim Wright's uh, review was kind of interesting. It was eye-opening to me, and it taught me that I needed to just figure out what choice of words to use in describing the product, and that's when I decided on the sound comes out of your tablet and it's in sync with the locomotive yes. and then that that was it so so chris came over because we were going to work chris comes over here on saturdays every once in a while that's one manufacturer that's hands-on and when he comes over here we really do work i make sure that we don't mess around we ain't got guys coming over having a good time it's all about getting whatever chris needs done that day done and we were talking about it and chris says hey man i got this groove cube thing and if we stick it in the train the sound can come out of it and I said, that means I need to do the whole video over again now, Chris. He's like, no, 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 no. Let's just add it as an addendum to the end of the video to illustrate how you can get the sound out of the train. So we're describing something that's not a problem, but at the same time, here's an additional way to use the product. And I think it came across pretty neat the way it came across. Now, to those speakers, because you're coupling up to the sound source with Bluetooth, right? But Correct. Do you, but do you have the ability to hardwire this? You got to ask Chris because um, Chris is the expert on the cube. Okay, Chris. No, you can't really hardwire it because it has a built-in battery. You could pre anyone that's really good with electronics might be able to decipher it a lot better than I could. My initial impression was uh, no, it, it couldn't be something just tapped into using the the built-in amplifier. Let's just I'm, I'm going to make this real short and simple. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, in order to get in there and do do uh, anything with it at a at a high tech level will require a high tech understanding of electronics. Um, as the interface is really meant to be simple and easy, and anybody can actually use it. But if they want more advanced things out of it, they're going to have to have a pretty high-tech understanding of, of electronics. Well, if I may add. Um, you may. The gentleman who made the Bluetooth offering that Bachman has produced uh, created that for Bachman first. 
they're actually making decoders that you can put in locomotives separately. And he said the technology is there, available on the board. It's, it's there so that you can drive a speaker in the locomotive. That's not what Bachman wanted at the time. So that's why it's not there. Their offering, which you can buy separately, or you will be able to buy separately. I don't know how what the timeline is on it. But um, their offering, you will be able to either drive a Bluetooth speaker or a hardwired speaker into the locomotive. So, yeah, somebody decided that, you know, hey, you know, we should be able to control trains with Bluetooth and a cell phone. We should do this. And so that they came up with it, and Boston liked it, and so purchased it and kind of, like Ken uh, has stated, that it's kind of geared towards the brand-new modeler, doesn't know anything about what's going on, okay. not the not the experienced modeler. You know, it's trying to get a newer crowd into the hobby. That's really their focus, the current offering, whereas... Oh, well, what I was just going to say is, yes, the, the, the initial offering is geared to just be a quick and simple, let's get people to, you know, start using model trains and have some sort of sophistication with a, you know, a Bluetooth device like an iPhone, or Android phone or whatever. They, they're, they're looking for that quick entry point where you don't have to buy a $400 command control system in order to right. start running trains. Well, it's, it's really straightforward. It's cool yeah. that way. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, with the standalone ones, it's the same thing. You don't need, you can, you can run it on the non-Bachman one I'm talking about, where you can buy a decoder and stick it in the locomotive. It's going to be that way. You don't need a, you don't need a TCC system. You just need some way to get power to the track. Or you can use a battery, although it's not really geared towards battery yet. It will do it. There's a lot of that functionality. A lot of DCC decoder functionality is being built into the standalone boards. Again, but that's not what Bachman wanted out of the chute, so that's not what they got. A lot of the functionality is there. It's just not readily accessible on the board, from my understanding. From my understanding. Okay. So if I can find the website and the name of the gentleman... It'd be great to get him on. It's Blue Blue Rail Train. Name's David Reese, and I've been trying to get a hold of him Mm -hmm. and uh, actually get him onto the podcast. I sent him an email. But, yeah, I want to get him on. Uh, I saw a few of the the YouTube videos from Mm BlueRailTrains.com, and they have a bunch of very sophisticated things lined up for Bluetooth. There's, like, a DCC interface, and I'm not sure what that does, but already my, my you know, my ears kind of perked up on that. Sounds very, like, very, it be anything. Very, yes, that sounds yeah, very I mean, it, it, if, I mean, I, I'm just spitballing here, but if there was, uh, like, some good. sort of inter- Bluetooth interface that could hook up to any sound decoder where you yeah. like the sound out of it, you could turn a DCC decoder into Bluetooth, that would be like a killer app, you know. Yeah, baby. Now that's what podcasts so, are all about. Make them salivate so, about something coming up. Yeah, baby. Well, I don't no, know. I don't good. know if this thing, if that's what they're, they're, you know, scheming over there. But hey, I, I we need to get them on the podcast to find out what they have up their sleeves, so we can uh, start looking at what what's next. I mean, whoa, what's the cool way to do- control trains now? I do what? believe that's what they're looking to do. Uh, he's been on Model Rail Radio. That's why I know all this. Um, oh, okay. He's been on, you know, so if you go over to Model Rail Radio and listen to this, you'll, you can talk, you can listen to him talk to Tom Barbelay about, you know, what's going on, because Tom is really interested in this technology. So 
he likes to get David Reese on and talk to him about it. So he's been able to, you know, he's called in a, a number of times and chatted about it on the Model Rail Radio Show. So hopefully I might be able to get Tom to get me connected with David to get him on our show. Which would be I cool. would really appreciate that effort, Jim, because I want to talk to him because I'm very interested in the technology too. And I know Tom really wants to get the word out about the technology. So the more the merrier. So um shouldn't be too hard. Okay. So well, Chris, that night over at Ken's Patterson's place where we got to play with it, it was, you know, when you get past the, the, the early stage that it was sort of like an alpha version of the Bluetooth control, mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, that same night trying to, work on how to program some DCC locomotives, and it was just fight, 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 all night long trying to get these things speed matched, and here, here's this thing that just works, you know? <laughs> it was like, wow. wow. Man, I couldn't speed match anything because my, uh, my Decoder Pro had a wire broken or disconnected on the system. I just traced it and found it yesterday, so now it works. So now we can fix things. Chris came over here this past Saturday, and we spent nine hours making a six-minute video in what's going to be some something new for Athern, and that's going to be a monthly video that's going to come out either on their Facebook or website where it's going to have a tip or technique using their whole array of products and how it is you can make things better. And we're working on various things where we can crank out these videos every single month and have them be very informative, very very cool things. You know, I don't want to do anything mundane. We want it to be something that makes sense where there's a reason why you actually have to do this. And I, I'm looking forward to it. But this video that we just did was on the new series of ready-to-rust locomotives and freight cars that Athern's coming out, where it's a, ha- a hodgepodge of patchwork of various railroads that have bought equipment over the years, and they patch out one stencil and stencil and this and that. And these things are ready now for your oil paints or your oil paint decals, where you can weather these things, and you're already off to the races out of the box. And it's kind of a neat concept. The locomotive that we featured was a... An orange grand trunk, and what is that? An X Ann Arbor or something like that? It was a DT and I. Yeah, DT and I was orange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, what a neat concept to come out with a new monthly video that correlates with your product line. I think that's a great thing to do. Well, you know, it, it, we don't want to get into the ad advertisement thing or the infomercial thing at all. It's uh, there's a lot of really cool techniques that you know could enhance the enjoyment of people of just someone you know, using our products or anybody's really, and just having, I would say like an official knowledge base, you know, because Athern is going to be with model trains until the end of model trains and having that, having available these, these tricks in one location or maybe in an official location just keeps them going and keeps people, uh, uh, keeps people accessing and being able to access some of these tricks that might not, you know, otherwise be known. Well, can you share an example without letting the cat out of the bag? Well, you know, just my buddy showing how to do some dry brushing techniques. Okay. I mean, that, watching him work, I can, people can write about it till their uh, fingers fall off in, like, text form, but actually seeing Mike and just how he moves that brush and, you know, his approach for getting around different features on the side of the locomotive and just seeing it. I mean, that per- that preserves those techniques for a lifetime and then some. 
Okay, excellent. A guy that worked for Bruce Petrarca when Bruce owned uh, Litchfield Station, as far as I know, his name is Jerry Rowley, and he still does work for the for the new owner, uh, Jack there. He called me one day just to see how things were going out here in New Orleans, and he starts telling me about Bondek. We've all seen it on the, the, the late-night TV commercials, and you see it on the grommet, those uh, websites that show up, and... So I thought, what the heck? Because I'm always taking surface mount LEDs or, uh, you know, like 1.8s or whatever, and I've got to adhere them to a lens. So he said, try it. He said, it's amazing. He said, because it instant cure with UV light. And so I said, okay. So I ordered one. Uh, I think you can get a starter kit for like 25 bucks, and it includes a little, lack of a better term, little UV flashlight. Now, the resin... The liquid plastic itself is expensive, so make sure you get the lid on tight. But it's true. You just put the, the bulb or the piece of plastic, whatever you're doing, and in about two or three seconds of UV light, it's pretty well attached. So I was, you know, playing around, because that's what I was doing, putting headlights in, LEDs, and I had to create some lenses, just like on the Atherin Genesis F unit. You've got the outer clear coating, uh, but you need a lens on the inside to attach the, the light to, be it styrene rod, which I use a lot, or actually I started recycling the uh, light tubes out of Kato units because that rear light tube that goes back gets in the way of the uh, DSM-8 speaker I put in there. So I just hard uh, mount the uh, LEDs there when I change them out. And so I thought, shoot. Let me cut this. I'll glue this there. I'll use this bondic. And it just worked like a charm. Then I started going, you know, once you take a zona saw or whatever and cut styrene, you've got to cut surface so you don't have that perfectly polished surface. So I asked Jerry, I said, how do you do it? And he goes, well, I do this, I do that. Then I get some polishing rouge and I do this and I do that. And I'm going, okay, looks good, but that is a lot of time. So when I was packing up the house in Phoenix to come out here before the mover showed up, I go through the table, you know, the side tables there in the bedroom. And on my wife's side, there's must be a, a decade supply of nail, fingernail polishing, you know, whatever you call these things. And I said, where do you get these? And she said, CVS, you know, Walgreens, whatever. So this thing's like about eight inches long. It looks like it's about a half inch thick, and it's got eight different sides on it. <laughs> it goes everywhere from rough grit, medium, fine. And the cool thing is it's got side four is even out, and then side five is smooth. And then you go to six and seven, shine and buff. So I thought, I wonder how this will work on this clear styrene. By the time I got done, and it wasn't but maybe 20, 30 seconds worth of, uh, you know, polishing, rubbing on each of these surfaces, that plastic looked like it had been injection molded. It was crystal clear. And I went, wow, this is a $2 thing from the women used to buff their nails, and it's great for polishing up clear styrene to make a headlight lens so that you can put the Bondek on it and then your shrink tube and, you know, have a really good light source going, going out. So that's my tip of the day.
two tips of the day, the Bondic and the uh, fingernail polishing thing. I look for a name. It doesn't have a name, but each one of the, the different polishing and buffing sides has a different color. Hey, Paul, you got to show pictures of it, you know. Of, okay, I will do of that. The put, them on put, the, put it on the, on the Facebook page yes. and, and, and the before and after, and, and we'll, we'll take a look. What got me, before I left Phoenix, a friend of mine, I'd done some work for him, and he brings in three Stuart F units. And, you know, I'm not a fan of the Stuart body because it's nowhere near like the Highliner body that you guys use. And so I look, but they had Kato drives in them. So I thought, well, shoot, what am I going to do? I couldn't find any Highliner bodies. Nowhere. <laughs> Nobody has them with the detail part. So I got one. Yeah. I, was about throw, I was about to throw it away. I figured nobody wanted it. It's been sitting here. I don't know who it belongs to. It's been yeah. sitting here for five years. Well, that's the finding all the detail kits that, that Highliner makes to finish them out. So a customer was in the store, and he goes, you know, we're just chit-chatting. And he goes, oh, go buy the Intermountain uh, F unit. He said the nose isn't perfect. He said it's not, you know, on par with the, uh, the proper profile like the Genesis is or the Proto, he said, but depending on the, the weathering and the coloring, he said it's a decent body. So I get it. So I build the bodies, and I finish all this work when I'm here because I've got to rebuild the power train. I've got to cut weight out to get speakers in. You know, Chris, you guys make two places in your F units where you can drop in a 28-millimeter round speaker or other stuff like that where there's just no room under these older uh Stewart's with the Kato mechanism, so it's a trade-off. Great mechanism and uh, nice motor, but no, you're going to do some machining. And so then I get all that done. I figure out how to put They've got a, I've heard some people call it a Dumbo, but it's like a, a 13 by 18 by 13 deep uh, sugar cube. It's the uh, deepest, biggest there is. So I hooked up one. And because uh, I was using tsunamis in these, and I thought, "Dad, gone. That sounds pretty good." Now I got to put the lights in. The the, the uh, one unit became my beta tester on this Bondic and on the uh, the polishing. So yeah, I've got one sitting in a F unit here. But I haven't weathered it or anything, but yeah, I'll do that and post that up on uh, the Facebook page. You know, I can't start building the, the model railroad probably for another couple of weeks. So, you know, what do you do during the day? It's not like we have a big model store like we did there in Phoenix at an affair with trains. So I've been building kits. I've been going back and adding insane deal to things just because I've got time. <laughs> i got to keep my sanity. You know, I'm putting grab irons on everything. So. Oh, even took, you know, I mentioned I built some branch line sleepers and beautiful kits. I mean, nothing comes pre-assembled. The truck is like 20 pieces, not counting the wheel and axle set. And so I thought, well, I need a baggage car. I've never seen a branch line baggage car. So again, somebody had given me some AHM, heavyweight baggage cars. So I go in and I'm starting to scrape off, mold it on detail put in titchy grabs, ladder rungs on the passenger cars. I put in window shades, box seats, people. And I'm going, good grief, this is a 40-year-old 
AHM car and I'm putting like $30 worth of parts in it. My wife goes, well, it makes sense to you, doesn't it? And I went, yeah, I'm happy. And she goes, that's all that matters. So. I, I thought there was like this one uh, cartoon in Model Railroad or a long time ago where this guy's buying a $30 locomotive and $200 worth of detail parts to go with it. <laughs> yes. You know, and yes. you know, those old school builds are exactly the same way. I mean, you, you get the thing for like five bucks at a swap meet and yeah. you know, the whole idea is it's a challenge. It's a modeling challenge. It isn't a way to save money and any stretch of the imagination, but it's just the enjoyment of building it and it costs what it costs, you know. I got to do a shout out to Intermountain. I had done some work for a guy on his cab forward. Neither he nor I knew about the infamous reputation of the first release cab forwards, which I guess came out in, I don't know, the early 2000s, where they had the the motor and drive gear problems and the wheels would come loose from the axle and so forth. So Intermountain had covered all that or most of it, I guess, under warranty. And afterwards, when the warranty period ran out, they set up a retrofit program. It was, uh, they went to Northwest short line, bought the motors, the gears, new spined axles, uh, new drivers, and something else. And if you wanted to do it, you send them your locomotive and a hundred bucks. And they pretty much upgrade it to the, uh, like 2014 release level. And for another 85 bucks, they'll even put the new, uh, ESU decoder in like they're doing on the new. And so I did just work on it. I put a tsunami in it for a guy. He got in trouble. Some, some unfortunate circumstances came up and. So I never got paid for it. And so he had to get out of the hobby. And when he was liquidating his stuff, and I was buying some of it, he goes, you know, that locomotive is yours. He said, I never paid you for it. He said, I know it doesn't, you know, run very well because of the motor. So I sent it in to Intermountain. <laughs> I sent it in last June. And in September, I called him because I hadn't heard a word. I knew it was delivered because I had a tracer on it. And I said, where is this? I'm getting ready to move, and you're going to do this and send it to Arizona when I'm in New Orleans. And she goes, well, we're waiting on uh, flywheels to come over from the container in China. And I said, what? <laughs> and she she gave me the story of why they had to do this special version of flywheel. I mean, it is what it is. Finally got this thing in September or Christmas, two days before Christmas. So it was like six months. But. Everything was done, and I'd weathered it, and I knew I was going to have to redo the drive line and stuff. But they were so careful with it that even though they had a lot of handling on the boiler and on the tender and stuff, the weathering wasn't ruined. It's just going to need to be touched up, and it runs like it's one of the brand-new releases. So people, if you've got uh, stuff to send back to them, they do a good job. Which brings me to big boys, Chris. Yes. The drive rods. Yes. And this is this is me. I screwed this up. I picked What up, did you do? I picked up my big boy incorrectly. Uh -oh. I was getting a hesitation and I looked at the drivers. Mm -hmm. And on the rear set of drivers, it's not the main rods. It's like a little eccentric rod. Okay. Those are brittle. <laughs> they will Did you break it? 
I break it. Oh. Do you guys have extras? We might. We got the the whole new run of big boys in, and I'm thinking they got parts too. So it'd probably be a smart idea to get them as you know as expediently as possible. You'll want to talk to either Dave or Alex. Uh, I think Alex is directly in the parts support section of everything. So he can he can probably help you find the, the right thing that you need. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it obviously still runs. It just looks a little funky on the engineer side with its two uh, pieces of this small eccentric rod <laughs> flopping around. And I went. Oh, is it limping around the layout now? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> and I just, it's my fault. I picked it up incorrectly i wasn't paying attention and oh, i went oh it's such a beautiful locomotive okay i'll touch base with the boys see if i can get those parts it should be a simple uh replacement yeah yeah i i think as, it should be something like that as simple as like a steam locomotive can get <laughs> well you don't have to worry about quartering because you're not taking the main rods off well, yeah, but but still, there's a lot of moving parts on the sides of those things. So it's yeah. if As, you're familiar uh, with steam locomotives, there, Paul, I think you'll do okay. Okay, doke. What were you, you know going to say, Ken? Uh, no, it's not Ken. It's Jim. Uh, you know, you know what Inspector Clouseau said. What? He said like, in in relation to, but it's such a beautiful locomotive. Not anymore. It's such a beautiful locomotive. What? Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Yes, I'm a. No, that's that's a, that's a line from that's a priceless Steinway. Nothing anymore. Yeah. Ah, yes. Well, it's okay. It taught me a taught me a lesson to be a lot more careful on how I handle the other steam locomotives I have. I only have four or five, but gotta love those nice expensive lessons. Yes. Yes. Life uh, lesson learned there. Yeah, you know how it is. It's just like with cars. It's a $3 part, and it takes about 24 hours to work out how to install it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I had to take one of our cars into the local dealer down here. The top mechanism wasn't working right. And uh, he goes, well, look, go sit in the lounge. Let me have my top mechanism (laughs) technician check this out. He said it may just be an adjustment maybe a reprogramming of the motor. I said, worst case scenario, hey, it could be the uh, motor is shot. <laughs> what? Okay, that just sounds expensive. And he just said, I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah, so it's exactly yeah. what you just said, Chris. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, remember, I remember one time we um, we broke down on uh, one of the Providence trains. We were going into Boston. The train broke, broke down the uh, prime mover on the F-40. Yeah went uh, shut down and so we had head end power but we didn't have we couldn't move okay and i said i was telling my passenger i was the trainman i wasn't the conductor but i was the and i was telling my passenger i said the one good thing about an f-40 I, of course i didn't use that term but i said you know the one good thing about the older locomotives is it's solid state technology it could very well be that the engineer could kick the back panel and it'll work <laughs> uh, that's literally that's literally how GP40s, F40s are. I mean, because it's solid state, you just kick it and it may work for a while. Um, it's like on a computer where you do a restart. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm it's called a reboot in that case. Yeah, yeah, yeah reboot. Uh, literally, uh, yes. 
Yeah, now and they came back and uh, came back and he says, yeah, the uh, the main engines dumped its oil, the engine seized. And I looked at the passengers and was like, yeah, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> not going anywhere. Nope, not going anywhere until somebody comes and pushes us. Wow. We need to we need to get more women involved in this hobby. Now I can think of Renee Grosser as being a great model builder. She's a female, but I I was me and Dave Davis sat down here Saturday night and watched five hours of video and analyzed Trainmasters TV. Yeah, we analyzed everything that Kalmbach has to offer with their Video Plus because their ad department gave me a backdoor key so we could watch the videos for free. Oh, and we oh. studied we studied them like it was a job. We actually watched Gordy or Cody, uh, you know, do the reviews and what you know do the things that, that Cody does. Yes, and you know enjoyed their beautiful office building and the ambiance that they've got. But they've got a female also now that's involved, and I think what's neat needs a girl on the show that's a great modeler. And just would add that thing besides the old boys club, you know, it's, it seems like everything we have is just all these different men. And I know they're out there. There's got to be a lot of females out there that are interested in this hobby. It's not just a gender-based hobby. Um, Ken, um, have you ever seen Kathy Millat? 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 Um, who's, who's the girl, who's the girl that's a NASA scientist? I remember her winning all the prizes in the NMRA back in the early 2000s. Um, no, Kathy, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know, but Kathy Millat is the, um, is the, is the, uh, is the head of the English region of the NMRA, and she has a lot of YouTube videos. There Just you go. Re- really great job with scenery. Uh, let me see if I can find the link. I'll at least let you. So we, we analyzed all these videos and studied them, and we also watched a few What's Neat videos, and we acted third party. We acted as if, look, we don't know anything about this show. I yeah. can't quite frankly remember what's coming up next anyway because it's all a big blur to me. So we watched them cold turkey as if it was somebody else's production, and what's the difference between them? Uh, and i got to tell you what, um, I, I announced this on Facebook page and asked the same question on Facebook page the way I'm writing it now or saying it now. And it was more or less a thing of Kalmbach. has got a lot of broken up, small little 10-minute videos that you can click on and watch them on various reviews and subject matter or tours of the office and da-da-da-da-da. And Train Masters is sort of the same thing. This month they got Miles Hale doing rock castings and they've got Mike Confalone doing some really cool weathering. And there are also individual little videos that you click on. But when you go to What's Neat, you get an entire program from start to finish. You don't have to click on anything to watch the individual segments. You get the presentation, whatever it's going to be. And if it's not something that you're interested in, you can look around at the background scenes that are in the, you know, whatever's going on around here because wherever you point the camera it's a good backdrop for whatever presentation you're making and one guy on the internet said you know ken it's like we got to look around at your background scenes because if ken's got that tool then we need it and that's an excellent marketing uh tool now the company name is element x creative out of dallas texas and a fellow down there by the name of chad has done special effects work for probably 50 of the biggest advertising companies that you see on daytime tv and he's a special effects video computer guy he's into games he's into doing all this stuff you know you see the pet meds commercial where the little puppy dogs are coming alive and the graphic cartoons and da 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 that's what they do and they did a video that was circulating on facebook not too long ago where they took these bachman figures and literally made them come alive and that was one thing to see the birds flying and some guy walking down the steps of the uh, yard tower but it was another thing that he then tied a story of boy meets girl into this video and it becomes an emotional six-minute video clip that takes you for a ride on the boeing layout that was down in texas where they filmed all these odd video clips that would otherwise not be very very good video clips at all but they had individual thoughts in their head on how they were going to 
to use these to tie this story together. And it worked out beautifully. So I've got an interview with him coming up on the show where we'll be able to play this six-minute video and be able to talk to him for a few minutes about what it is they do. And I can see now introducing this individual, Chad, to the model railroad industry and soliciting the various companies, Bachman and Wathers and da-da-da-da-da, and see if it's not something where he can make a really cool TV commercial for one of these companies, some presentation for the Internet media. Hello, this is actor Michael Gross, and you're listening to the Model Railroad Hobbyist Podcast. Cool. Who's the uh, – I'm sorry, Jim, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say – I'm thinking, Chris, at the uh, San Bernardino show, what, two years ago, uh, one of the uh, modelers there, she had some of her models on display uh, where she had kit-bashed using uh, one of the displayer's parts. Elizabeth, was that? Allen, Elizabeth yeah. Allen. Yeah, she's done a lot of scratch-built locomotives with nothing but Canon parts, Canon and, parts yeah. and she's totally scratch built like her own MU or not MU uh, cables, but the actual uh, uh, traction motor cables that, that go along the frame of the locomotive. And it, it, she's doing some pretty sophisticated, high level scratch builds that, I mean, just blow up, blow my mind about how um, finely detailed they are. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, there's another name in the hat. You know, if we spent $50 a girl, we could at least get four or five girls off the street to blow kisses on the show. But that's just not what I had in mind. I actually want to see somebody getting their hands dirty and building models so that we could respect them and learn from them. And, you know, I'd like to see – I've been talking to Michael Gross, a uh, super nice yeah, guy. Yeah. He and I sat down in a Chicago hobby model show about 10 years ago, and he was going through all my photographs in the cafeteria. And I looked up, and every single eyeball in the room was looking at our table. So I know he's a good draw. And I'd like to get him on the show either with one segment or even a even a, a few segments. And his first conceptual idea for a segment is to discuss modeling out of hotel rooms and all the different things you got to go through to travel with your tools. Don't forget something, but yet still be able to build a comprehensive model without destroying the inside of the Marriott. And I think that would be a great segment from Mike. Uh, another person I'd love to get on the show is Rod Stewart. I'd love to talk to Rod Stewart. But We're I talk about got, somebody who knows how to build models in a hotel room. It's, yes, uh, yeah, no kidding. One. Not to mention the fact he's got a magnificent layout that he, you know, he's in the trenches. He, uh, he, I'm sure, even though he paid to have a lot of that built, he's still in there building models himself and getting his hands dirty. And I think he'd be a fabulous, fascinating interview that would, you know, dispel the myth of oh, we just play with trains. Because here's a guy that, you know, built a museum quality layout. He was on, uh, I think it was It was right after Leno left and Fallon took over, and I think uh, Mr. Stewart was a guest, and Fallon asked him about his model trains, and, you know, uh, Rod answered very enthusiastically, and there was some, you know, some sarcastic I heard the coming I heard him. I heard the giggle. Yes. Yeah, I know. And ah, he didn't let it bother him a bit. No, but he had an answer for him. Look, dude, I just play with trains. I mean, come on. Quite yeah. frankly, people think we have psychosis. There's something wrong with these guys that just get in their basements modeling these trains. And and I don't I don't disregard that fact. But the fact is, it's an industry, and there's money in the toy business. So rather than insulting them and being sarcastic with them, jump in and make some money with them and have some fun. Yeah. 
Oh, he was. It, oh. it, was, it was priceless because you know when you hear the snickering in the audience, he's like, "Hey, what are you laughing at?" He says, "I'm very proud of those models. I spent a lot of time doing that stuff. I'm, that's not. I'm very proud of that. Don't you be laughing at it? Yeah. It's a lot of work." You know. <laughs> Craig Bishgar. Shot him right down. Mr. <laughs> yeah, buddy. You can't go yeah. through a podcast without bringing up Craig's name. And Craig, Craig taught me how to use Skype about three years ago when I started getting internet savvy and buying new equipment and getting, you know, more modern with the times, getting off of AOL and actually, you know. And the, and Craig and I sat down on Skype one night. And we're, we're talking about his, his Civil War uh, era modeling. Yes. And we're talking 1875 and post-Civil War, let me say, 1875 and, and later or to present early 1900s and you know what the bachman 440 i know it's got that darn drive shaft in it i know i know isn't it a drag i said you know what i'm gonna start talking to lee riley about it and see if we can't because he's got these new coreless motors they're using and ain't no reason why he can't squeeze a motor and a sound system in that puppy for us and give us a whole new brand new lease on life for the civil war post-era guys that model that kind of stuff. And so I want to do a segment on the show about it, and rather than just have it come across as, oh, look, here's a really cool thing that Bachman came out with, now I've got four BTS freight cars that correlate with the right era that I've got to build these laser kit freight cars. And I've also gone through the Bachman catalog, and if you look in the toy section, the Thomas section of the Bachman catalog, you'll see they've got a roundhouse in there that is perfect stone Civil War era roundhouse that is not a toy. This is a magnificent magnificent building it's relatively inexpensive you repaint it you get rid of that red trim and green doors and repaint this thing realistically and you've got yourself something now to display your 440s in so i'm going to build this turntable with time-lapse photography if there's no gluing or anything on this on the building i'll build a scene for it slap some tracks down put the 440s on them and now i've got a platform to make a presentation that covers not just the 440s but all the other products that correlate with it that can allow you to get in that type of modeling and let me tell you what, this engine runs sweet. It's smooth. Oh, baby. So I hear, have you ever had a chance to build one of Craig's kits? No. You know, yeah, he makes, uh, I mean, limited, I mean, obviously limited run um, craftsman Jimmy, kits. Jimmy at Monster Model Works, if you're listening, let me build one of your kits on the show. Scotty Mason, the same thing. You've got your laser kits that come out. I would be more than happy to spend the 50 or 100 hours that it takes to videotape and build that building and put it on a video on my website or cover it in What's Neat This Week. And and see if we can't, you know, just light a fire under sales if you haven't sold out of because he makes great kits, and I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to spend a hundred hours to work on something. If I make a promise, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get through it and make it look good. Well, ping uh, ping Craig. See if he'll send you one. But I, and he, I'll be happy to pay for one. You know, just work me a, a dealer cost number, and you know, I I'll depreciate it on my taxes or whatever my accountant makes me do. Uh, all the stuff that you see on what's neat this week, I buy it all. Every show costs between 150 and 300 dollars in product. All the Broadway limited stuff. Nobody's sending Ken anything for free. Uh, the Dremel printer sort of showed up for free, uh, but I haven't used it that much. And I'm waiting for the 3D scanner to come out from Dremel, and I'm waiting for the second generation printer to come out so we can be the very first to feature that on the show. Well, Would you yeah. bring up an interesting point? Go ahead, Jim. You were going to add to it, and I'll come back to it. I was going to say the thing with Craig is he needs so many cars that if he sent you a car, say, hey, build me the car and send it back. Uh, he probably, because that's what he did with me. He gave me, he, he let me have the car and I just sent it back to him so that he could have it on his railroad. And, um, just as a case in point, it's all made out of wood. It's a wood, um, it, it's a wood center and you laminate the laser cut 
paneling on the outside. I literally dropped this car about two and a half feet onto a ceramic tile floor. It bounced. <laughs> it bounced. And the only damage on the car actually looked like realistic damage on the car. Really? Yes. It didn't do anything. It literally didn't do anything to the car. No, no. The trucks that he provided, which were actually very nice trucks that come with it, um, the trucks he provided, those, the axles, you know, popped out. They popped out when they hit the floor. He put those back in, and the, the car was fine. Yeah, literally, two and a half feet onto a ceramic tile floor, nothing happened to the car. Well, what scale car was it, Jim? H.O. It was H.O.? Okay. Yep, H.O. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, you think he's modeling 1892. There are no prototypes, and so he makes short-run craftsman kits that, um, I mean, I'm sure it's not going to hurt his feelings if he got more orders for them. So... Yeah, give uh, give Craig a ping, Ken, and see if he'll send you one to build on what's neat this week. What's a ping? Um, Somebody told know. me to ping them the other day. It's a Navy term. It's sonar. What is that? Some new form of communication on the internet now? A ping? Yeah, uh, kind of. I'll tell you, oh, I love the Ping app on your new iPhone there. Oh, it's, oh yeah, yeah. She, <laughs> yeah, I got a new a number six here, whatever this is, this phone six. And I, the last thing I wanted was a damn phone like this. I just got old-fashioned one with buttons on it. Because you know what? I want a phone to make phone calls. I don't want it to do all this other stuff. But now I'm starting to like this damn thing because you can get your email on it and all the stuff just – you hear two pings. It means you sold a video. It's like, yeah, rock and roll, baby. And video sales video sales have been magnificent this year. They're up five times over last year. And really? I blame That's that great. directly on advertising with Joe Fugate and in his magazine and doing these, these uh, email blasts that he sends out. All of a sudden, uh, it's been a good year for videos. It really has. And I look forward to it getting better. I've got a new tree video coming out at KenPatterson.com and all these new videos that I'm working on. But it, as you can imagine, it's very difficult keeping up with the schedule of a monthly video, Athern monthly videos, soundtrack sound installation videos. And then I'm supposed to still make videos for my website. Um, I'm getting it done. When Chris came over here the other day, it was a breath of fresh air because he had the mouse in his hand. And I left him alone for three hours. I had to go to a birthday party. So him and Mike Buddy filmed their segments. And then they directed me on what they wanted. I was directed on this video. I was not in charge. And it was kind of a nice, it was a nice transition to be able to actually be told what to do, be told what to say, and do this and do that. And I really enjoyed that. And then Chris sat down and edited the video for three hours, doing the mic section, doing the Chris Palomero section. And then, I, of course, I edited my part and, and then went over the entire video to see if there was any just last-minute changes to make. And in nine hours, we cranked that puppy through. So if we can do that once a month, and it's really neat working, like I said, a manufacturer that comes to my studio and works with me, I mean, you can get a lot done. You can get a lot done that way. When you were talking, Ken, about – uh, where you're building kits, when you do uh, one of your videos, you buy uh, all the kits and stuff, the product that you display. Yeah, this... you're not you're not seeing BTS stuff because the guy's sending me stuff. You're seeing BTS stuff because you know what? They're easy to build, and I have a use for them. 
So literally, I'm getting paid every month to build my layout, and you guys are watching me do it. Okay. It's like it's like the really the show is what's going on around here this week. That's why it used to be called What's Neat This Week because it was what it's a it's it's a reality show on what's sort of going on around here every single month. And there's no secrets. Well, there are a few, but you know you don't get to see those. <laughs> there's a there's a YouTuber, JWI two thousand, a guy that yes, James. Does, yeah, your friend. Okay. What a nice guy. He's so nice. He called the other day. We talked for two hours. The uh, When he gets product, I've always wondered, are, Chris, are you guys sending him product to review, or is he just buying it because he needs it for his railroad? Just a general question. He's got, it. Just he's got, to, he's got to send it back. He's got to send it back. Okay, just like so to, I had to send back those Korea brass models that are featured in April coming up. Okay. It depends on the situation. Uh, and that that that's completely between uh, him and uh, him and okay. Catherine. So uh, I mean, yeah, there there are some products that we send him, and then there are some products that he wants for his layout, and he wants to keep them, so he goes out and buys them. Okay, yeah, so, and I did not want to imply there was any impropriety there. I was just that was yeah. a curious question. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you talk to him, if you talk to him, he buys stuff. And then, like Ken said, sometimes he gets stuff that he has to send back. So. Okay, very good. Well, I told I told uh, these guys that made this Korea brass stuff. I said, y'all might have to send me an invoice because I don't know if you're going to get these engines back. They're actually cool, you know. I really want them, actually. Oh, they run around the room here and they throttle up and throttle down all by themselves while they're running because the motor sense my little bitty grades on the layout, and so the engines are working and it's the coolest darn thing. Uh, hey, Ken, Ken tell, tell them what sound decoder you have in them. They're, they're let's see, uh, Korea Brass comes with TSU, is that right? TC, TCS. TCS, that's what it was, TCS. These decoders will talk to you. They'll walk you through the programming process. So I put the throttle in Mike Buddy's hand, and he, he can program an engine, and he otherwise doesn't know about DCC. Okay, it's so they're wild sound, Chris? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have that in my uh, Proto 48 GP60. Okay. Uh, it's really pretty cool. It'll you can cycle through like 32 different horns. Tells you which each one is. You know, it'll say you know Nathan K53 LA, and you blow okay. the horn, and you know Nathan K5. You know Nathan M5 XC. You know it's like that. Just, just cycles through that, all that stuff. It's very easy. Change them. I guess the newer ones, they've got like six different. The, the diesel ones actually have six different prime movers on the on the uh, decoders. Oh, preloaded. Right. Preloaded. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I have an older version, so I only have seven ten six forty five turbo five sixty seven and five sixty seven turbo. Okay. We now do an they, eight. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Now they come with Alco and a couple of other things, too. So we cover you them in the show. Of these a... uh, brass locomotives, Ken? They're not brass. They're plastic. They're called Korea Brass because Korea Brass, if you go on Korea Brass's website, you'll see that they make Lionel. They make Broadway Limited. That's okay. the reason why Broadway Limited stuff could be half brass and half plastic because, in fact, Korea Brass used to be an old brass manufacturer. Okay. But they, you know, they're in the injection business, and they make, it, they make a lot of product for a lot of different manufacturers. Okay. And it's, it's not a secret. It's on their website. So the guys here in, in the States, this, uh, this company that makes these, 
the decoders said, okay, we'll sell those engines and we'll put our decoders and sound in them. And so when you buy it, they'll put a decoder in it for you. Uh, as they're sold, the guy says, oh, yeah, he can do 20 of them a day here. Well, I did the first one. It took nine minutes. I did the second one. It took me five minutes. So that means I could do probably 45 or 50 of these a day and not get tired. So I'm thinking we did an eight-minute segment on the show about the whole thing. We showed the decoder installation. We showed the engines perform. We showed the engines talking to me. until, And I, I know I said that once these models down here start talking to me, I'm done. I'm getting out of this basement. It's over. But these engines talk to you, and it's not, it's not my imagination. They actually work. Okay. Jim, you're rattling your cable or something. It's coming through the mic. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I boring you? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm, a, I'm actually trying to send an email to Craig for him to contact you. Okay. Okay. Well, just don't rattle your hoobie-doo with it. <laughs> You're rattling his cage. Okay, fine. I'll just turn off, turn on the mute. There's just so much exciting stuff going on in this industry that I, I just can't think of a better time to be in it. I mean, we've been, I've been in it for 35 years, and what a great time this is. Well, what else has got you excited, Ken? God, I'm doing this new desert for Atherin. We've been working on it for a few months. I'm going to shoot some video on it tomorrow. I hope to get some great in-between video clips because I've got all of these different various Atherin engines here, and as and I need to generate a lot of outdoor video for in-between segue segments on the show as we go between segments. So if the show's got seven segments, I need about eight runbys in every show. And I, I want them to be done outside. I want to just keep pushing myself to make better and better, more believable scenes and still be able to set them up in an hour and take them down quick and, and be done with, you know, that. So I'm still streamlining the organization process. I'm working on the layout, continuing to make it uh, easier to work on. I've added 20 track light heads, heads this week with uh, more LED bulbs, and I've got all the dark spots eliminated on the layout now. So it's an absolute pleasure to work on any inch of it. I vacuumed the whole layout right before the podcast tonight. Well, yeah, and in your article, you were, you know, touting the uh, LED replacement fluorescent bulbs. Those are pretty hot. They're getting yeah. cheaper, and there's two kinds that are out there now. They're the ones that have got a, a little row of LED lights in them that you can discern and actually see those. Those are at Sam's for 35 bucks for the whole fixture. And then there's other tubes, T12s or T8s. Make sure you get the right one because it's important. I bought some T8s, and they don't work in my T12s. Okay. So, But the fact is they don't even look like LED lights. They look like fluorescent lights, but they're they're 30% or 40% brighter. So I only have to put one tube in each figure, in, wow. uh, fixture instead of two, and I okay. still get better light. So I've been taking select areas above the layout, and I've been putting these new LED lights in, and then I've eliminated another 10 shop lights this week and put in ceiling tiles and replaced all that lighting with track lighting. So, so far, I'm really satisfied with the way this layout is starting to turn out. Are those bulbs expensive? Ah, uh, the ones I've been buying are twenty one ninety nine a piece. I hear they're ten ninety nine now at various places. You know, okay. it's just a matter of time before. I mean, come on, it's a little strip in a, in a plastic tube. Yeah. But now it's Garden Railroad season, and I haven't run the Garden Railroad for almost two years. I've been surviving on the video clips that I made for the first 14 years of its existence. <laughs> so now I've gotten hooked up with bridge works. So I'm going to put a new power supply in out there, replace ties, and otherwise take the Garden Railroad has been stepped on by deer, and I'm going to get it running again so we can get out there with that eight-foot jib crane and just make some great video segues of the Garden Railroad. Hey, 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 Ken, you know, 
you might really want to consider doing the Bluetooth thing in your garden railroad just to just to try it out. That would be neat. Because uh, the, I've been getting emails. It's funny. I, I sent them a message about contacting me, and he's been. I guess I got automatically added to their email listserv. So they're coming out with a standalone decoder or receiver, Bluetooth receiver decoder thing, and you know that might work out for your your garden railroad. I mean, this thing works over a hundred feet away from whatever you're controlling. So. That's funny. Me and Dave Davis are going to listen to this podcast uh, when it comes out and analyze it. So, Dave, how does it sound so far to you? Are we doing okay? Oh, goodness. I know. You know, Dave, the, the part, of, the part of the podcast that we need head. to do, Ken, is like get, get Dave Davis to talk to Jim Lincoln here about track. Oh, about track and get Mike Buddy down you know. here. And let's just sit down here with a microphone and pass it around and make it interesting. And we could turn it into a video presentation because whatever they talk about, if they've got still pictures, we can run the photographs while they talk. We could turn the, the podcast itself into a talk show, but it would literally be an hour long like this podcast is long. When you get interviewed on my show, you get three to six minutes to get it out, and then it's over because I've got to have seven segments every month. And, and I don't know where it's going to go. Again, if there's folks out there that have got ideas for the show on a direction that it could go or you'd like to contribute some of your ideas or even just grab a plane ticket, use your frequent flyer miles <laughs> on the credit card, show up in my studio and, and show off your product or show off your talents. And I welcome anybody with open arms and we'll make you look good. Well, shoot. And there you have it. There well, you people. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe that's that's well uh, maybe that's where I will debut debut my PS fifty three forty fours. You better yeah. believe it, Jim. We'll sell out that first hundred. But I just would love to hang out with you in the studio, just just to be able to just socialize with you and maybe just get you to say a few sound bites would be very fun with you. Because you and I sitting on the park bench. Oh, look at this guy I found in the middle of a cornfield. You know that was a lot of fun with you on the park bench yeah. the other. It's like ah, uh, it's like eh, well, like you said, I have three. Can you can you explain this switch in a minute and a half? What you did a, you did a good job. Uh, and like yeah, no pressure. Oh, you didn't even show that you were nervous, man. You were totally relaxed. Oh, you know that's what Valium's for. Um, <laughs> no, no, ha, ha, ha. I wasn't. I was off the medication by then. Um, Golly. <laughs> Well, no, the pain, actually, that was very close on to when I had my shoulder surgery. Okay. That's how it starts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's how it starts. Nope, 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 thanks. I'm, uh, nope, I'm very much not addicted to anything, so. That's right. In the middle of the night when you need help, you just call me up and I'll, I'll make, I'll, I'll take it right out of your hand. Talk him uh -huh. down. Talk him down. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I have one of them there jobs that it's really dangerous to be taking anything like that. So you lose your job really easy. So. It's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun when you're when you're able to, to just boom, just pitch it and 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 make that closing and just make it work. And then when the product sells out, when you pitch a company on a new product and it's like this is a great idea, you go in that boardroom and you tell them this. You say these words. I realize you don't even know what you're saying, but you go say these words and you call me back in 15 minutes. And boom, he goes in there and says those words, 
And uh, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about an old gentleman that used to sell dog food that worked for Wathers, and they used to use me from time to time. He used me as a consultant because, quite frankly, when you come from the dog food industry into the model railroad industry, I imagine you're a little bit handicapped with regards to the learning curve that you're going to have to go through to, to articulately sit in the boardroom and say, here's the new product that we need to come out with. And so what he did was he grabbed my ear and started listening and talking, and we came up and formulated a few ideas on what would be a great product to, to pitch in the Wathers boardroom and come out with as a product. And at the time, it was a Santa Fe Super Chief plated and get that sleeper correct, that incorrect sleeper, and make it right and also include that in the set. And I tell you what, he made the pitch, called me back a half an hour later and said it went over very well. Six months later, the train was sold out before it was even manufactured. So it's that ability to come up. And I think the reason that we model railroaders are good at talking to the manufacturers about new product ideas is simply because we're in the trenches every single day, getting our hands dirty, running these trains, studying our prototype information. We know what's needed in the industry, especially after you've done it for 35 years. Right. PS5344 boxcar. Yeah. Yes. You ain't, gonna, <laughs> you ain't gonna do it. You're not gonna do it. I've, you know. So. Hey, 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 Jim. Look. Not your go, time. go check out the Facebook page. You can see that I'm having to build a certain class of refrigerator car, and I'm scratch building my own doors and all this stuff. Not because I want to do it, but in order to do it, I have to. And there's just certain projects that. Oh, I know. You know. I know, you know, it's just... And it isn't that I'm saying it's a bad one. It's just, I, I you know, you, I work for a manufacturer, yes. But it doesn't mean that it's, you press a button, now comes the, the thing that absolutely. we need. Well, the other, so, thing, the other thing is, as you know, even when, I, even when I was kiddingly talking to you about it in the first place, Athens doesn't make O-scale stuff. So it's not what they do. I, I have never seen a manufacturer that works as hard as Palomares does, and I, I'm not blowing sunshine up his skirt. I'm, I'm telling you, this is what I've lived. And this guy comes here and works. When he comes here, we don't socialize. He, we get stuff done. Or when we're on the phone or when we're on the Internet and he says, hey, I need this shot this afternoon, uh, an hour later it's done. There's, there's no such thing as no. Uh, I love – I wish – I wish every manufacturer, they wouldn't be a pain. It would be fun if every manufacturer was hands-on like that. Wathers used to be very, very hands-on, sort of like that. Bob Gallegos came here a lot of times, and we built trade show displays and did photo shoots together. So when you've got a manufacturer working with you hand-on-hand, -hand, it's a marriage. It's a wonderful way to produce art. Hmm. Chris, you don't make any O-scale stuff? No. Yes, we do. We make some trucks. Oh, okay. There you go, Jim. You don't make 148 scale trucks. You make 150 scale trucks. No, 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 no. I'm talking bogies, as in the, the wheel sets. Ah. There's a Bettendorf and I think like an arch bar. Oh. That, that are, yeah, that, there, there's your O scale. Uh huh. Yeah. Here is my problem. Modern O scale. Here is the problem. Our our trucks aren't modern. Well, they're modern in the you know post nineteen hundred. Hey, they're days. turn of the century, you know. Yeah, just, just wrong. <laughs> which century? Right. Um, well, but, not know, for I, interchange service. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, it will be very fascinating to see, you know, do I, you know, do I sell the hundred out and, you know, and it does really well. I don't know. Cause I know BTS does a, um, did a particular style of gondola and I don't think they sold theirs out. Um, but, uh, I mean, nice kit, not ferociously complicated, but, um, not a really common prototype. So that's what I'm kind of, I'm kind of looking to do really common prototypes so that it's a lot more, um, has a bigger audience, has a bigger market. Well, yeah, yeah. If you want to build up your business, then if you want to serve some of the niche uh, segments, then you've got the resource and the momentum to do it. Well, the, the other big thing is, it doesn't really it doesn't really make any difference what I do. They don't exist in O scale. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which, you know, you think, well, you know, it's just a 50-foot boxcar. There aren't any. So Make them stop, Chris. Make them stop. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> just cut hey, this whole section I'm going to ping just you. Just cut it out. Uh, I Wait, shouldn't have said anything about this. <laughs> it's I, my it's, fault. Hey, I, I, I pinged, I pinged Craig for you, so maybe he'll ping you back if he has your email. I don't know if he has your email. Hey, Paul, do you have like a ping soundbite that you can just add in there? Just yes. to kind of flare that section up. A yeah, bit. yeah. Let me do that. <laughs> let me go find a. Yeah, yeah, the, the old submarine. That's right, yeah, it's just a sonar. Hunt for Red October, you know, I want to be like the guy hitting the button right there. Yeah, let me make a production note here. Insert. Hunt for Red October. I, I don't watch movies anymore for the storylines. Now I'm watching the shots. I'm watching the lighting. I'm watching the crane movements, the, the camera movements. It's almost like editing video and starting to do this video show has literally changed how I watch TV. Well, you're more critical. It's yeah. fascinating. There was one movie where they had a desert scene and they had a car driving through the desert and they lit this desert up with all these lights. It was a nighttime shot. It was, I mean, they literally lit up acres of mountains and, and, and it, it was like, it must've taken these guys an entire day just to set up that shot and drive the car. You know, that's a five-second clip. So I'd love to get hooked up with something like that where they've got the budget money to, you know, pay an entire film crew to do stuff like that. Because, you know, you look at, again, you go to Kalmbach and they've got an entire crew putting the videos together, editing them, filming them, da-da-da-da-da. And you look at what me and my buddy and Chris and, and all the guys are doing for this little monthly show, and we're literally a one-man band, you know. And don't forget Dave Davis. He is coming around, and he's in Z-Scale, which is Z. Oh, baby, Z-Scale is the new N-Scale guy. Z-Scale has really come out with some magnificent models now. There, there's stuff run. in Z-Scale that I know HO scales would just be all over, like the California <laughs> passenger cars and some other things, too. Yeah, I noticed that in one of the uh, print magazines that I went, good grief, where's all this Z-Scale advertising coming from? So that, that segment is taken off that scale? Is that what you're saying? We're going to do stuff on Z-Scale. I've got complaints that we don't do anything on the N-Scale. One guy on the Internet said, oh, Ken don't like N-Scale. It's just that I, A, don't model it, and B, don't get that many photo jobs in N-Scale. Uh, the only N-Scale stuff I get is, well, I've had some Atherin stuff and some Bachman stuff. 
Yeah. And we, we've done run-bys with the few pieces that I've had because now they've got sound in these little bitty things, if you can believe that. Uh, it's neat to see that SD45 doing the run-by and also looking at all those cool Atherin engines in the background while it was doing it. But, I mean, come on, Z-Scale, now they've got sound in Z-Scale, for heaven's sakes, and it's amazing. Is that by, like, American Z-Scale? That's one of the suppliers, isn't it? I think so, yeah, American Limited. Yeah, or American, it's American Z-Lines, I think. Yeah. Well, there's an opportunity for you, Chris. Atherin Z. Get Brad Pitt. Get Brad Pitt to be your spokesman off his after his uh, Z War success. World War Z. World yes, War World Z. War Z. Well, you know, as people's houses get smaller and more people want to run longer trains, mm-hmm. what do you do? I mean, you know, do you make your house like you know, an, another twelve thousand square feet, or <laughs> do you change scales? I mean, Rod Stewart, you do. <laughs> Yeah, if you if if you have a basement, yeah, that's great. But you know, if you're on the west western side of things, there's much more scarcity on basements. So, yeah, I know having that extra scale is is you know paramount to just being able to enjoy the hobby. Well, the room I'm going to use here would be logical for in scale. I have no in scale equipment and a huge amount of HO. So how do I can convert the HO to, you know, discretionary dollars to go do in scale? Or do I just go and there's a big HO scale club here in the Crescent City and see if there's a fit that way. But I understand exactly what you're saying. This room is not going to accept 50 foot topsy copsy trains. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. going to work. Yeah, no, 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 sixty-inch radius curves and all that. Yeah, good stuff. I worked out. I can do forty-fours down, but yeah, no sixties. Those are days gone by. Yeah, I'll adapt unless I can talk my wife into giving uh, giving up the uh, dining room. Then it could be back on the table. Yeah, you know, just do that seasonal Christmas layout where you just get the the 30-inch or bigger Kato Unitrack and just, you know, have it grow outside of there and sort of go underneath the Christmas tree then look back into your room. Yes, yes, yeah. Of course, I'd have to go down a a flight of stairs to get downstairs, but so that would be a – and you can't do – you know, I did outdoors in Phoenix because it never rains hardly, and as long as you protect it from the UV – you know, a hand lay track like I did on the second one. I looked out here and I went, you know, it rains too much here. There's too much humidity. I don't think, you know, maybe a garden railroad, but HO with all these ESU Dakotas, I don't think that's going to work outside. No. What, you mean the humidity won't, like, help the electrical contact work better? Haven't you, did you, did you see the uh, the video of uh, the Rapido? Video video of them doing the uh, ice bucket challenge with a Rapido FP9. No. They dumped a bucket of water on the F- FP9, and it still worked. No kidding. Yeah, what? It was, still run- it was still running. I think they had it hooked up to a battery. The lights were on it, and the, uh, the sound was still going after they dumped the bucket no of water. No kidding. That's great. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, go what's, his, what's his commercial or his ad that he's running that's got a head of cabbage? On there, coming soon, and it shows a picture of a head of cabbage. Oh, cabbages! That's the um, the Amtrak F40s that were turned into uh, oh baggage cars, baggage, baggage control cars. cars. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cabbages. Thank you very much. I that went over my head. What that all I, makes sense now, huh? Yes, it does. The light just went on, people. Light comes on over Marblehead. Well, it's a nice looking locomotive. Oh yeah. RDCs look great. Nice too. looking baggage car. I mean, the RDCs look beautiful. I don't know whether they got enough orders for the MBTA or the uh, B&M McGinnis ones, but they said those were a little low. Oh, okay. That's what you mean. Yeah, the, those particular road names. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because B&M had the largest number, largest quantity of bud cars. Yeah. And they had trouble filling the order, whereas Dominion Atlantic or whatever it was only had two, oh. and they were no, that was no problem. Lots of people ordered the the Dominion Atlantic ones. Who else makes an RDC? Does Walther's make one? Catherine yeah, used to. Yeah, way back. Yeah, with, with a rubber band drive, yeah. Yep, yep. State Fast. of the art. Fast. I've seen one with the Hustler. Who needs? Who worries about 18-inch radius curves? Those Hustlers were a barrel of fun. 900 miles an hour on an 18-inch radius curve. That was great. <laughs> Hey, you can switch cars really quickly, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that was the secret weapon in the time, or was it the time saver challenge? Pull out the hustler. Okay, I got yeah, this. Pull out the hustler. <laughs> There's yeah. a company that makes, you know, what the Plymouth Industrial locomotive looks like. And this company is, uh, I think it's a tier three product, maybe tier four, but it's a a three axle, uh, not the HTC, I don't think. I think it's the uh, original version, EMD three-axle truck per locomotive. Yeah, so, it's, like a, it's like a TP25 or something like that. Yeah, and it uh, just looks like something you'd find in a Walther's catalog. But yeah, it's, it's a real it's, live locomotive. And now have you like seen the, the YouTube video of that thing? No. Oh, yeah, you should watch that. It's got some really ominous music. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, it's quite impressive for an itty bitty look, a little itty bitty look, a little locomotive. I looked at it. I went, "Golly, this just makes a lot of sense." Well, the other thing is that's a great that's a great starting point for uh, a you know if you want to get your scratch built locomotive for the NMRA. Um, oh, for the MMR. Yeah. I mean, why not? It's just straight sheet metal and a single truck. It should work. We had a customer at the store. That was his whole business. He was semi-retired. He took Atherin old hustlers and whoever else made those and super detailed them. Uh, new motors, new electronics, sound if they wanted them. I was amazed at how many he sold them. But they were all handmade, labors of love, and he's just an excellent modeler. I went, gee, many Christmas. Who knew there was this kind of demand for an industrial switcher? Well, that and hustlers of all things. I know, right? Yeah, but you know, when he got done, you had to be a, mo- a model railroader to see the 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 original hustler heritage should. You had to just know because his uh, metamorphosis on this locomotive was just amazing. Okay, we got a little sidetrack there on weird on weirdness, but uh, cool. Maybe you could do one of those in 048, Jim. No. No, actually, you could go just take that very same Hustler and just make it SN3 or something like that. Yeah. Maybe even ON30. ON30, I would think. 
Yeah, 130, yeah. and it, it, everything scales out about right. Yep. Yep, that would be a perfect little, like, you know, um, what is it, a coal mine yeah. type switcher or something like that. A little shunning locomotive. Yeah, a little, it'd probably have to have a slightly larger body, but that's yeah. easy enough to 3D print. Or just yeah, cut so in half. <laughs> just, just make yeah. it a little fatter. <laughs> All right, so Christopher Palomares brings this tank train over here. This is that train where the pipe runs from each car so they can yes. see the entire... Oh, just a magnificent work of art. Very delicate, man. You don't want to break that little handrail stuff on there. But he brought it over here, and he left it here. So it's it's almost feels like it's mine. I dusted it off tonight and <laughs> made sure it was in good shape. That's 2600 Hey, I appreciate that. That's $2,600 that I did not have to spend in order to get a magnificent run-by with it. And I thought to myself, what can we do? So we put it in the end of the show that's running currently. I think it's March's show that's running right now. But what I did the other day with it was I thought, how can I take that entire tank train, get all those cars outside, and do a run-by with the tank train with a sunrise wow. and just oh, come on that's a great opening credits for the show run the credits while the detailed cars are going well, by how long is that uh about 30 feet it's a whole it's bunch a of cars. 25 cars it's it's so cool can you imagine sunlight dancing through that so i did it oh, yeah. I, what i did was i opened up the big 12 foot window down here where the layout runs right past the window and i ripped all the buildings off and then i went in the backyard at six o'clock in the morning with a chainsaw and started cutting down every single branch that was in view of the camera while it was set up in a position and i filmed that thing right at the moment of sunrise and i tell you what man woo baby and then the next two days later i said you know what let's try it again Let's use a Broadway limited steam engine with that smoke puffing out, the synchronized smoke, and let's let the sun's rays dance through that smoke so that I could get the steam engine running by, run what's neat this week credits across the cars, and then end with the caboose and a sunrise, and here we go. Here we go with the next show. And it worked. It worked beautifully. So now we've got some good Athern footage for the Athern train show booth to show the tank train running. And, you know... Just crazy idea, crazy 5.30 in the morning idea turned into something. Well, I think you ought to, we ought to have a conversation. I think I could probably adopt a couple of those cars. You know, if Chris has left them there in your care and doesn't need them. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's sitting on the back track where nothing can touch it. The cats can't walk on it and the water won't get to it. <laughs> no, you see, see, unfortunately... Um, Paul, those are um, match train sets, so he couldn't possibly split it up and only give you two. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a 13 and a 12 car set. Right, yeah. Okay, 12 works for me. And uh, I'm working on another 12 to kind of, like, round it off a little bit. You know, 37 cars. That's about half the the real tank train, you know. Just (laughs) so. That's only half of it, you know. You've got to do it at dusk. $4,000 $4,000 that needs to be invested in before you can have a prototype tank train. And, and, you have to have, and you have to have 10 SP, SD45s on it. Well, it, it's uh, they actually use 16-cylinder uh, hmm? locomotives on it. Oh, SD40-2s, SD42-2s, and the, the rebuilt 40Rs and stuff like that. Hmm. that. That was common. I mean, you could... You could see like a rebuilt 45 ton yeah, right. motor or or 45 r on there every now and again but 
the bulk of it was 16 cylinder stuff. So, so now I'm looking at all my things. I, I realize I only have one 16 cylinder Tomo motor on the roster. <laughs> I'm like, Oh geez, you know, I need to build eight more of them to, to actually get the, the right four by five sort of a power setup. So yeah, fun for me. Well, Ken, if you were to take that outside and you're saying it's 20, 30 feet long, how many modules, because you've got to have, if you're going to line it up on in front of the camera, you got to have that much room behind the camera for it to run by. How many modules would you have to put together? You have to put one main module for the filming and then two uh, eight-foot-long one-by-fours on each end with track on it. And then that would run through. But, see, I didn't have to dance with all of that. By being able to just shoot through the window here, it worked. Yeah, and I can do it again, but the thing is, the sun only rises in a good spot at a certain time of the year. In the summertime, I could never get the shot. Okay. All right. I just wondered, because I thought, good grief, how many modules does he have to put together to be able to have a long train go in front of the camera? I built an entire layout just for that purpose, to shoot the HON3 uh, Blackstone models outside. An entire 12-foot. At first, I built a 10-foot layout, and then I sold that to a gentleman in Mississippi. And then I built this other 12-foot by 5-foot layout, which has got wider radiuses in it and a little more diverse scenery. Whereas, in fact, that's my shelf layout video that's on my website. It's not just shelf layouts. It's about building a 12-foot by 5-foot uh layout and that's my best-selling video that i've got i mean i probably sold 50 or 60 of those videos and and the magic of that is again the sunlight when you see that narrow gauge stuff running we just built this beautiful desert for athern and quite frankly it's taken too long to build this but tonight right before the podcast i finished the hills and these hills on the layout are painted blue they're blue there's 16 feet of hills that we can just put in the very background of the shot to create that desert blue mountain effect that you always see in the back. And it just, it's going to work. It sure is going to work. I don't know what we're going to shoot on it right now, but, you know, that diorama is pretty much done. I'm ready to shoot video on it as soon as the sun comes out. Cool. There's just so much good stuff going on, and, and there's no end in sight. The people that I've been meeting through the show, the new friends that I've made, it's just its just one great big dream, and it's working out. Excellent. Yeah, I'd say you and Chris have, uh, with your uh, the work you do for the industry, it's, it's what a lot of people go, gosh, my best case scenario would be either the Ken Patterson scenario or the, the Chris Palomares uh, scenario. Then closely followed by Jim there running on uh, real trains. Well, Chris is a great big husky, intimidating looking fella. You know, he'd be a good bouncer at a bar. But once you get to know him, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to say he's a teddy bear, but he's a very good modeler, and we complement each other with our skills. He knows so much more about diesels from the year two thousand and later that I don't know because I've lost track of the, all the changes. So he kind of holds my hand and walks me through the consists that we need to do for photo shoots. But, I mean, we complement each other. We both have a diverse education in this industry from, two, from many, many different points of view, many different, you know, we have a few overlaps, but otherwise we complement each other. Well, but don't discount those uh, modeling skills and stuff when it comes to skills that a bouncer needs, you know? <laughs> Yeah. What kind of skills are those, Paul? Well, you'd strike up a conversation with the yeah, rowdy guys. Say, hey, skills. you're a modeler. So am I. Let me tell you about those. And the ability to use a uh, an X-Acto knife with precision. Oh, yeah. X-Acto knife skill. 
Mm-hmm. And he and he can edit video very well. That's right. See the security cameras. I can edit the video. That's and right. Be so careful. Be careful. You know, he could also shoot the same type of photos I'm doing. I know he could do it on his own, and I don't want him to start thinking about that. So the big thing is, so when he stabs the guy, he can just edit the the security camera video, so nobody sees that he does it. So. Nah, Chris is a smooth operator. There'd be no blood. He'd just push somebody in front of a cab in Chicago. (laughs) Push him in front of a cab. (laughs) Yeah, I can cut cut footage without losing a finger. I'll I'll tell you that. (laughs) That's a skill right there. (laughs) Okay, well, we digress in in a dark subject there. Yeah. And really, people, listeners, we're just all, we're just little teddy bears here. We're just getting started. Mm-hmm. Now, this has been wonderful because all I have to do is sit here. Right now, in the last hour and a half, I haven't built any models, and it's kind of nice. Because when I get off of this, I'm going to end up working again tonight. Are you? Uh-huh. When I get off of this, I'm going to end up sleeping tonight. Well, you have to work tomorrow, right? Mm, yeah, but not until 3, 3 p.m. Oh, okay. Chris, when do you? How much vacation do you have? I'm good till Monday. I'd say, yeah, Monday all day. I promise. I'll leave you alone the rest of the time, Chris. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is your first or second year doing what you're doing, and it's it's going to be a matter of time before you could actually take a vacation and not get phone calls from us. You know what I mean? You're you're, you're still in the learning stages of getting yeah. everything organized, making sure every one of your ducks are in a row every single day, and that's no easy task. I know it's not. Plus, so there you've got are the train a lot of balls schedule. rolling. Plus, all the other things going on is it's a it's a big scope of things to to look after each day. You know, there's a lot of sheep in this herd to look out for. You know. So, yeah, trying to take a vacation has been a bit of a challenge, uh, but, yeah, but it's been it, a long time since I actually had a vacation, you know. It'll get better over time as you as you have better handle on things, you know what I mean? Because you know you can delegate well, yeah. stuff out. When you when you shoot in my direction, it's going to get done. I don't need to call you. It'll be done. And what I'm doing for Ellen is going to look magnificent tomorrow. Yeah, well, oh, there's a lot of areas where just people need to talk to each other and you know, I, I'm kind of like the the middleman most of the time. Like, okay, this person and this needs to, you know. So going back and forth between two different people, that's just like, you know what? I'm on vacation. You guys can talk. <laughs> so, but no, um, enjoying the vacation. We came out on the Southwest Chief from Kansas City right after uh, the World's Greatest Hobby on tour, and that was the last one for 2016. And had a great trip out. Went up the coast on the Coast Starlight over to my parents' place, and they. And they picked us up, and now trying to get back into a swing of like, oh, yeah, this is what it's like to not have a a lot of things to do, you know. So How will you go home by train? You oh, yeah. Fly back? No, it, no. no. Uh, we did that this last year where we took the train out and then flew back, but this yeah. time we're taking the train back. No, it, it, we're, it was a great ride out, and we're looking to about What's the same way back. It's, you know, it's – it's two nights, and okay. you're off the early in the morning. The, the I guess the second morning, but you know it, it just races by. I mean, it, I don't know what it is, but just being on that train is just like okay, a night, a night, and you're off. You know, yeah. Um, it, it, being a train lover, it's just like man, that goes by so quick. <laughs> you know? 
Okay. No, I I agree. Way to go. Yeah. So no, I, this this past year I've done a lot of train travel. Um, the year prior there was a lot of storms and things that kind of interfered with different flights and things. So I was just you know I, I don't want to deal with like being stuck in a an airport for two or three days while they they try to clean out of a blizzard or something. So oh, yes. Um, yes, the train was an obvious choice, and since all these are you know. Midwest or East Coast, yeah, it's, it's just really the, the one of the best ways to go. Also, working for a mall railroad manufacturer, it's it's one of those things I always think is a little bit of a hypocrisy. Of, you know, oh yeah, let's go to the train show by the air, an airplane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, you're missing it. <laughs> you're missing out on a lot of opportunities to actually see the things that we're trying to duplicate and. Um, have a connection with I it, in fact you know I've never seen an electric train on the east coast before ever and I could never relate to guys that were into that sort of thing it wasn't until that I actually took the train out to like New Haven and I watched them do the switch from electric to diesel and all this I got okay. it I understood it and you know being able to connect with those customers that are into that now I understand it so um, it, it's important as like a manufacturer to understand what really uh, gets people excited or gets our customers excited. So that, that's another reason why I take it is just to have that connection um, before I go to a show and afterwards, because then, then whatever you guys talk about at the show gets reinforced by, oh, hey, this is what they were talking about. I see that now. Okay, that is important. Evaluate and consider, you know. So that, that's why I'm doing it. Oh, I, I think it's neat. I'd love that trip. So, I've never, I've never ridden an Amtrak train before, man. I need to get out more. <laughs> you know, you can take that that St. Louis trip out to Kansas City and back. Yeah, Michelle's been telling me that. Yeah. I just, I just don't know what day do I want to give up six hours and not working. Well, you are working. Yeah. Research. Yeah, it's important. You, you got to see the forest through the trees. So that's the thing. Yeah, I know there's work can be a quantitative thing of how many hours you actually spend on a certain process of doing things, but you also need to back away and, and it, it's work. It's classifiable as such, you know, is getting also perspective. So, now I used to love it. We used to fly a lot, and I'd fly over the Powder River Basin, and you could see all those tracks going on as far as you could look, going through all the mines. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's still a thrill when you're meeting a freight train. You know, it's like, oh wow, cool. <laughs> Man, let's talk about that box car you want to come out with, Jim. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Bob Schleicher used to always say, never get more than about 12 feet from the tracks with any of your articles, Ken. Old Bob Schleicher, God love a man, rail model journal. What a great little thing he had going on there. And, and Bob Hunman at Mainline Modeler. Sandy, many of you guys don't know it, but the girl that edited Mainline Modeler for 25 years, her name was Sandy. She was a girl. There was another great woman that knew a lot about the hobby simply because she was exposed to it every day. 
So Lee, so Lee Riley's working this train show, see, and there was no people at the train show all day long. It was like dead. All the guys in the Bachman booth are sitting around the round table, sitting there talking about business. And there's two people in the entire show. And for the next six hours, Lee Riley talked to the first person for three hours, and then he talked to the second person for three hours, and sat there and went back to the round table where all the Bachman guys were sitting and said, man, woof, this is sure a busy train show. I've been talking for six hours. And I got to tell you what, to, to know Lee Riley was to love him. He was a he did AHM, he did all the old stuff that we used to play with 40 years ago. He built the 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 Rico Station, the Coaling Towers, all of that early die work. That was all Lee Riley's work. Um, and to lose him this week, I didn't get my Sunday phone call last night. I was listening to my old messages on the phone at four o'clock in the morning, and there was the old Lee Riley. How you doing, Ken? How you doing, Michelle? Hey, it's Lee. Just called up to just called up to t see what's going on. I love you guys. You know, call me tomorrow. And four o'clock in the morning, I was crying down here like a baby. Yeah. We lost we lost another wonderful wonderful spirit in this hobby, and I just I just really I can't stress that enough. Uh, to know him was to love him. I don't want to end on a bummer note, but God, I love that man. I really loved Lee Riley. Well, and I, I miss, think we I might miss, need to take a moment of silence for Lee Riley. I miss you, buddy. I miss you. You were just the best, man.